running down dogma with his karma. This is the Drew Marshall Show. Apparently it's also CSI. Is that what it is? Isn't that from CSI? Yeah, but this is Who Are You? No, I get it. Because it ties in with the Enneagram. I get it. You had to explain that to me? (laughs) Shut up. Easy half moon. (laughs) Half moon. Don't be throwing out yoga poses suggestions. I'm yoga not. Pose I, was, I was talking about those old candies or those old cakes from Vachon. Yeah. <laughs> let's get the, let's get the kids in uh, here to the microphone. Uh, joining us on today's show is my son, Josh Marshall. Josh, when was the last time you were on the show? Do you remember? Uh, last November? For I my think. birthday? I think so. Yeah, didn't he here come in to sing for that? Oh, yeah. You were the singer for my birthday show. You hated that. You sweated profusely. Yeah. Like worse than me today in yoga. That's when I created my band name. Which is? Pits. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you decided for me? Sweaty, <laughs> sweaty pits. <laughs> also joining us in the studio because she hasn't left. We've asked her to, but she's still here. Lindsay <laughs> Vandenherk, our yoga guru today. Uh, little Miss Kripalu. How do you say it again? Kripalu. Oh, yeah, okay. Get it right. Gail Scott is a senior faculty member of the Enneagram Institute. She joins us on the phone at this particular moment to talk about the Enneagram. Some people hear that and they think, ooh, pentagram. I've heard people get really? wigged out over the Enneagram. Yeah, because they... How many points does it have? I don't know. Well, there's, a, well, there's a few points, but we'll talk about those. Gail, how are you doing? Are you snowed in and iced in and all that stuff? I am snowed in and iced in. I'm in the Rocky Mountains and uh, at about... Uh, 6,000 feet, and we've gotten about seven or eight inches. I have a very long, steep driveway, so I'm not going anywhere this weekend. I'm so glad that you're here with us and you can't go anywhere. That's fantastic. The Enneagram Institute is dedicated to the work of human liberation and transformation. For thousands of years, spiritual teachers from many different traditions have reminded us of the richness of the human spirit and its potentials. But without self-knowledge, it is not possible to awaken the deeper inner truths of the soul or to sustain uh, whatever degree of realization we've attained. One of the most powerful tools for understanding ourselves and others is the Enneagram, an ancient symbol of unity and diversity, change and transformation. So that that was the blurb on the website, but I want to know what what Gail Scott says about the Enneagram. How do you explain it to people? All of that and more. It's very difficult to explain to people because it's it's an ancient and complex system. Uh, it's uh, it's present in all of the mystical traditions of most of the major religions of the world. We've traced it back. It was certainly uh, well known in ancient Greece, and we've traced it back to ancient Egypt as well. Um, so, if you know anything about the mystical traditions of your religion, uh, including Judaism and Christianity, you'll you'll see the enneagram there. Not not as the symbol that we know it today, but it's. It is based on sacred geometry, it's based on the law of one, the law of three, and the law of seven, which are present in uh, most, again, most of the major traditions. In the, in the um, Christian tradition, for instance, there were originally nine basic um, uh, sins, what they called the, the capital sins, right? And those nine sins, or hamartea, which meant how we how we miss the mark, how we go off base, what gets between us and knowing and living our divinity. So those nine basic capital sins uh, became, or actually not became, prior to that were the nine Enneagram types. And they're also present in, uh, in the Tree of Life in the Kabbalah, in the mystical tradition of uh, Judaism, as the Tree of Life, the, the nine sparrows were 
each person comes from a certain soul place and has a certain uh, path to walk or a certain mm, thing to learn in this lifetime. So there are nine basic personality types. And believe it or not, every person on this planet seems to be one of those nine. <laughs> and I've taught this around the world for over 20 years, and I've yet to find someone who is not one of the nine types. Okay. Uh, I did the Enneagram. Say Enneagram. Am I pronouncing it even right? I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. So it comes from Ennea is the Greek word for nine. Oh, and, I thought she uh, was an Irish singer. No, no, that's Ennea. Ennea, but this is Ennea, E-N-N-E-A. Ennea <laughs> means nine. And uh, gram means symbol or diagram. So it's a nine-pointed, not exactly pointed, but nine uh, points on the circle right. of nine different types. Okay, let's let's just go through the deck because there's people listening who are just going, "What is she talking about?" So let's yeah. break. Let's get it all humany here. Humany. Let's let's talk about the helper. This is what I've got here: the functions of empathy and altruism, the potential for other directedness, thoughtfulness for others, genuine self-sacrifice, generosity, n- nurturance. Uh, negatively, though, the uh, the helper has the potential for intrusiveness, busybody, in other words, I guess, possessiveness, clingy, uh, manipulation, uh, and uh, self-deception. So, but I would say that the vast majority of human beings, their highest score wouldn't be helper, wouldn't you say? I would say probably one-ninth of the population would score highest as the helper. Wow. So I was right. Wait, one-ninth. <laughs> yeah, okay, I was right. No. Yes, we don't have a large enough uh, population of who know their Enneagram type to be able to say that it's it's you know equal around the world. Yeah. But okay. Um, I think the the there's a category called the achiever, and that category I think would be maybe be the most irritating type. <laughs> well, every type is irritating, and and that's one of the the most important things about the way we teach the Enneagram is that there's an infinite. Um, ladder between uh, being a realized being, a very healthy being, being an awake being, uh, or being a healthy person, or being in the average levels, and we have levels one through nine, and so it starts at level one, that's a realized being, two and three are healthy, level four, five, six of each type. When you get down to level five or six in your own type, whatever your type is, you're going to be fairly um, abrasive and aggressive and nasty and, and making people upset. And then down in the lower levels, you become truly psychotic. So every type... <laughs> <laughs> truly psychotic, yes. Psychotic. Every, every type uh, can go that entire gamut. And that's part of what the, the, um, the study of the Enneagram is about, is how to become a more healthy version of your own type. Because there's infinite possibilities. But you were talking about the type 2... Uh, which we call the helper. And so, for instance, the original um, sin, mortal sin, was pride for the two. And the pride has to do with the feeling that I'm all right, I'm fine, um, there's nothing wrong with me, but you, you need some help here, clearly, and I'm here to help you. So the pride is in the idea that I'm here to, to give to you, to serve you, to help you, because you're more needy than I am. Wow. Okay, again, I want to personalize it. Let's talk about me. Okay. I know that the rest of the, the folks here in the studio are surprised that I'm spending time talking about me. <laughs> Not so much at all. I scored fairly high on, on one particular aspect. Uh, I'm looking at my chart right now. I sent that to you, and I scored high uh, on, on the category of uh, individualist, type 4. Yes, and you also scored high on type 2 and type 7. So. 
you really need to look at those three highest scores. But in, in reading about those three types, which one did you relate the most to? The highest one, the individualist. Okay, the individualist. So that's type four. Yeah. So I would like you to Dr. Phil me. Go for it. <laughs> well, okay. So the individualist with type four, what they really care about, what they value most, what really rings their chimes is the idea of identity. They're always in search for their own identity. Who am I really? What is significant about me in this lifetime? They tend to, at a very early age, feel different and unique, and they feel especially different from their family of origin. Uh, it's like, I don't know how I got into this family, somebody left me on the wrong, you know, the doorstep, or I got switched in the hospital, but there's a sense that I don't really relate to my family. Well, hold on, what if, you, what if you really were switched to thought, like I was adopted, so does that... <laughs> so, yeah, so having been adopted can really play into that feeling, obviously. Okay. Yes. But certainly not all not all fours are adopted. But there's that feeling of having been adopted. There's a, often a, a, just a very deep in the bones feeling that type fours have that I don't really belong to this family. There's something really different and unique about me. So I set about as a young four trying to discover what's true and real and deep and profound about me. And fours are generally um, introverted. They like to um, they're they, they're very comfortable with being alone. They like to think deep thoughts. They like to have deep conversations. And one of their motto is, I must be true to myself. Okay, so, hold on. But I'm not an introvert, although I guess I'm, maybe I'm an extrovert. Why are you nodding your head over there, Josh? I know exactly what he's going to say. What? Because you, you're an extrovert because you think you need to be an extrovert, but really you're an introvert. I think I know too because introverts charge whoa, 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 introverts here. <laughs> charge by, by being alone. And you like to spend a lot of time alone, yeah, like exactly. Tucker and the, you know, doing things. I'm the same way. I'm a teacher, I'm this out there. This is about me. We don't want to bring you, you know, into but this. No, but I get this. <laughs> but then when I need to charge up, I just need to shut everything yeah. out. Yep. You're extroverted introvert. Yep. I'm an extroverted introvert. Okay, I'm glad we've had this little therapy session. Thank you. It's gang up on Drew time. <laughs> um, Bill him later. So, so this is what I read here. Type 4, the individualist, the functions of self-awareness and artistic creativity, uh, the potential for intuition, sensitivity, individualism, self-expression, and self-revelation. Negatively, though, the individualist has a potential for self-absorption, self-consciousness, self-doubt, self-inhibition, and depression. Yes. That's all true. They should just so, call this category Drew. <laughs> so glad my son's here for this. A lot of the a lot of the great uh, artists, great poets, great mystics, Thank great uh, singer songwriters, <laughs> um, fours we say have a poetic sensibility. They they have a certain kind of sensitivity to the world, and they can't really block anything out. And so they they. They're very sensitive to all information that's coming in, and anything that comes in, they need to turn it into something personal and run it through, you know, their own life and see why it means something to me. So it's always the search for how does this uh, impact me? <laughs> for for me, for who am I? And it sounds really selfish, is what it sounds like. Well, in the average levels, yes, it's selfish. Selfish in the in the higher levels, it's transformative. It's redemptive. It's about creating beauty and art um, uh, that uh, will redeem my suffering. Right. Force tend to self-identify with their suffering and with negative emotions, and so they are prone to depression. But again, it's all level sensitive. A healthy four 
is you know, putting out into the world, is creating, you know, beauty. Beauty is very important. Uh, aesthetics are important. Um, art is all often important, although they're not always artistically gifted. But I see the world through a poetic lens. I see the world often in terms of um, a romantic tragedy, right? The source yeah. of the tragic romantics of the, of the Enneagram. Okay, um, tell us about, I, I've also got a, a co-host here. Her name is uh, Lindsay Vandenherk. She was our yoga guru earlier in the show. Lindsay, this is Gail. Gail, Lindsay. Hi. Hi, Lindsay. Um, Lindsay did the test as well and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can't fail the Enneagram. Wait, hold on. Can you fail the Enneagram? No. I mean, it depends on how much self-knowledge you have, how you'll answer the questions, but it does seem to be the case, um, and there's wide agreement that we each person comes into the world with a certain hard wiring. And we don't know if it happens in utero or at conception, but it seems to be operating um, even before birth and certainly in infancy. And what we're talking about here is human personality or human ego structure. The ego equals personality equals Enneagram. Okay, Lindsay, what was your highest score? I um, had the Achiever. I scored 25 for the Achiever. 25 in the Type Achiever. Three. So, again, that's what I understand. That Those are the weirdos of the group? Is that right? <laughs> there are no weirdos of the group. <laughs> any any type can be weirdos. The threes are the Achiever. They're the people who pick themselves up by the bootstraps and really want to achieve something in the world. They're often, you know, go-getters. They're often voted most likely to succeed. Um, they're often the, um, they, they may be gifted in a certain area, but they also really work hard. They work hard to develop the talents that they have, and their motto is to be all that you can be. So they often rise in society and become uh, the best at what they want to be. They care about uh, achieving a high level of, of success in the world usually doesn't need to be on the grand stage. It could just be in something you know local. But they really care about harnessing all of their talents, uh, all of their resources, and making something out of themselves. All right. When you read on on uh, what is it, the Enneagram Institute? Oh, I can't, you think I'd know the website by now? Enneagraminstitute.com. When you went there and read your thing, did the test, was it? Was it close? Was it accurate? Yeah, it was pretty scary actually. Reading it was um, as if it was written for me. So come on, yeah. You're just saying that because Gail's on the show. No, I'm not. No, true story. It was um, it, reading it. I was like, wow, yes, wow. You know, every single thing I read was like, that's totally me. I when I read mine, Gail, I um, I actually had a visceral reaction. I had it felt like somebody knew me for the first time. Yes. No, that's yeah. not cool. I like. I don't like that. <laughs> right. It's well. Yes, Richard Rohr, who I believe you have in, uh, uh, interviewed one time, said, "Until you have been truly humiliated, you have not really found your enneagram type." Wow. Well, that's just that's, exactly what happened. <laughs> but that's just where we start from. It's because what we're doing is we're being busted for all of our ego strategies and our defense mechanisms and our mask and our persona and how we are in the world. And so, yes, it is often humbling and humiliating. And the thing about the Enneagram that is is hard to believe until you really start to study it is that there's something of an ancient template to it. It is objectively true. There really are nine different temperaments. They know that they know that babies come into the world with one of nine temperaments. These nine temperaments are the nine Enneagram types. So it's objectively true, which you can't say that about very much. But I think of the Enneagram as... Um, Sort of the um, the uh, um, 
it's like a universal ancient template for many, many things in the universe, only one of which is, is human personality types, but that's the one we're interested in. Okay, and, and just to be fair, can we call this a personality test? There is a personality test um, that you can take to find out your Enneagram type, yes. Oh, I see how the wording works. Okay. So, but you can't call the Enneagram a personality test. Does that bug you guys when we call it that? Well, it's just so much more than that. Yeah, it it's is. It's really a, a, a system for the cosmos, for how things work. Um, so it, it, as a test, it's probably the most detailed and deep and profound and objective test about yourself you'll ever take. Because it's not... Uh, contemporary. It isn't something. It didn't spring out of somebody's mind. Someone didn't make it up based on observation. It it goes back through time. It's the basis right. of most of our wisdom traditions. Um, Lindsay, you're probably busting at the chops to ask Gail something because you're a an, an achiever. <laughs> <laughs> Gail, I just had a question. I was just wondering if anybody has ever scored like almost like a tie through all nine categories. Sure, Jesus. and that just means it actually the, the, the type most likely to score equally or evenly is the type 9 and the peacemaker. And the reason for that is they identify very much with all the people in their lives, and they don't really have a strong sense of themselves. And that's one of the paths that they need to, to work on once they understand this. But um, scoring equally on many types just means that you've not been able to discriminate you know, deeply enough because... Um, to our knowledge, and everyone who works in the field, uh, everyone is one type. So eventually, part of what we do is help people to, you know, discriminate and, and discover what their what we call dominant type is. So you do have other types that will make an appearance. You have a wing on either side of your type that'll be strong, that'll be an influence. But it does seem to be that everyone has one dominant type, wound to tomb. Gail, when was the last time a type was added? Like, do you go to, is it like finding a planet? <laughs> no, there are no types of, this is a complete system. Okay. Uh, it's a complete system. No, there are only, there only seem to be, there seem to be nine. And it, as I said, it's based on sacred geometry and a lot of other things. But Is there, is it, is it voodoo-y? You know what I mean? Is it like something you'd, you'd go to some fortune teller in the side street of New Orleans, New Orleans, <laughs> and uh, uh, lay your money down and they, No. No, first of all, no one can tell you what your type is. I mean, I could make an educated guess. But the important thing is that you read about it, not just taking the test, but reading about the different types, and you determine yourself which one has the deepest resonance for you. And once you start to read about it and understand about it, and, and it, it, will, it will just, your chimes will ring. I mean, everything about it comes true. So okay, but hold on. People have wanted me to get into the horoscope stuff, right? Like, oh, Dude, I read your horoscope the other day, and yeah, man, it's just like you, and it's exactly what's going on in your life, and and <laughs> right. and, and I still don't get cranked about that stuff because I, I I see the guessing in that. I really do. Yes. Well, as, as I say, that's why it's important for you to determine your own type. It, the uh, unlike astrology, the enneagram is not predictive. It doesn't say what's going to happen to you. What it basically talks about are your motivation, your basic fear, and your basic desire. Each personality type has what we call a basic fear and basic desire, and they are in search of something. So, for instance, uh, if I can go back to uh, Lindsay, the basic fear of the three, and this will probably not be conscious, but it's of being worthless and valueless. And the basic desire is to feel valuable, you know, to feel worthwhile. She's nodding her head. <laughs> and, they're, and they're in search of acceptance and validation. So... But Lindsay, hold on, hold on a second, Gail. I know Lindsay yeah. a little bit, and I don't. You don't. You know, 
you don't strike me as insecure or, you know, needing validation or whatever. Because I'm an achiever. Because you covered it. I cover it. It, They would absolutely cover it. The idea is that I present to the world an image of someone who's got it all together. So I'm full of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, what What are you, Gail? I'm a type one, which is called the reformer. And I'm one of the people that are um, always trying to be good and have integrity and, and make the world a better place. Things like that. Ooh. <laughs> that just gives me the creeps. Type yeah, one, well, the reformer, the functions of ethical standards and responsibility. Okay. So you could have been a nun or something like, like that. I certainly could have been a nun. Well, actually, I mean, there are nuns of all types. But, yes, I had an early Catholic upbringing, and I thought I was going to be a nun. Oh, <laughs> called it. Uh, the potential for moderation, <laughs> conscious, sorry, conscience, uh, maturity. This is definitely not me. Self-discipline, <laughs> nope, not me. And delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Which means that ones are always sort of taking the long view, like we're trying to, you know, get back to the garden, whatever that, you know, means to you individually. And yeah. We're the good little boys and girls, the sort of the, you know, the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, and always doing the right thing, and just feel that, you know, virtue is its own reward, and uh, try to sort of live the straight and narrow. Now, that sounds very, you know, pinched and boring, but again, it's all very level sensitive. So at the top of, uh, uh, for instance, for type 1, we have someone like Gandhi, who was you know, had a, was very um, very much aligned with the type 1 hmm. ideas of, you know, making the world a better place. Okay, but the negative side of you, Gail. Yeah. <laughs> the potential for rigid self-control, impersonal perfectionism, judgmentalism, and self-righteousness. Right, and there, so and actually that that uh, caricature was made fun of on uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, uh, the church lady. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's sort of a low-level, constricted, hmm. uh, anal retentive one, yes. Hmm. So, so, I, so I wonder, Gail, Gail Scott, I wonder who made you like that, hmm? Maybe it was Satan? <laughs> Isn't that special? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, you're the church lady, Gail, I didn't see that. Oh, man. <laughs> Again, that's that's kind of down the levels because we all become very annoying, and and that's actually you know what that's one of the be- most beautiful gifts of the of studying the enneagram and understanding it, is that you understand why other people annoy you and why you annoy other people. So it's wonderful tool for families and parenting. Just everyone I've ever taught this to, you know, has said, "Oh, what I wouldn't give to have known this when I was raising my children." Seriously? Because yes, because you can attune your parenting, you can attune understanding what the person fears and desires. Yeah, uh, my son is currently doing the enneagram, the uh-huh. the, the sampler test. It's right? So long? No, it isn't. The sampler? It's like forty <laughs> questions. It sounds like a meal you can order. Yeah, You're not but I to think about them that long. Well, I, I overthink. What, what am I if I overthink a, the test? A schmuck. <laughs> um, so, if I had known that Josh was X raising him, he would have yes. he would have turned out better. Is what I hear you saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little too late there. Is there a test you can do for other people to find out what their type is? You can't do other people's. What we're talking about here is really ego structure, and we all know that you you need to develop a healthy ego in order to become a person, in order to develop, in order to have an identity, in order to be someone, in order to, you know, we have to develop uh, strategies and defense mechanisms in order to, uh, you know, survive our childhood. So it's absolutely important and necessary 
to develop these particular uh, patterns and defense mechanisms of each type. And regardless of what kind of parents you have, <clears throat> of course, if you have, you know, w wonderful, healthy parents and a, and a great holding environment and you're not living in a war zone and you're not fighting for your life, um, then chances are you will begin at a younger age to form in the higher levels of your own type. If you're fighting for your life or you're being abused or that, you know, you're living in a war zone or something, chances are you're going to be uh, come out or develop as a young person much more defended and start developing much more of the, uh, the unhealthy traits because you're, in, because you're in a survival mode. But the fact is you can move up the levels and become a realized being or at least a very healthy um, model of your own type regardless of the type. You wanted to say something, Lindsay. Because when Lindsay gets a question in her brain, she, she has a seizure. It's like she's having a stroke. Hey, what is it, Lindsay? So I know in astrology, like, um, they have different, like, signs that they would recommend being in relationship with each other. So, like, oh, a Taurus like a and a Pisces. So I'm looking at the list of, you know, the from the Enneagram thing, and I'm imagining, like, a challenger and a peacemaker might go well together. Is there anything that, like, matches up? Is there is there love stuff in this, yeah. in this thing? Yeah, I'm just asking for a friend. For a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, a lot is written uh, about matching. And what we would say is that a three... With a two, we'll have pluses and minuses. There will be gifts and there will be challenges. At three with a four, three with a five. But the challenges will be different, right? Where you resonate together will be different, and the, and the issues that you find that you have with each type will be different. So what we say is the, the, um, <laughs> what really is the predictor of, of, uh, of success in a relationship is that the two people are at a similar level of health or development. So what I heard you say there was that even though somebody is is a certain category, you can't say that that category should should be with that category. You can't say that. Absolutely not. No. So as well, long as they're in the healthy level. As long as they're in the healthy level, doesn't matter what category each person's in. Well, it's not that it doesn't matter, but I'm saying there's a chance of of happiness and success with every pairing. What we don't see very often, however, is two people of the same type. It, it's not unheard of, and we do see mm -hmm. it. And as a matter of fact, we do see it with threes. But um, more than likely, people are looking for something to complement their own type. So uh -huh. two people of the same type, it can be, you know, too much of the same thing. And you both have the same needs, and so you're not supplying them to each other. Right. Lindsay, are you satisfied? So, no, Gail, if you were to, <laughs> if you were to, I don't know, hook up with, uh, like, an ach achiever with somebody, what would you say would be a good match for that? Basically, Lindsay wants to know who she should date. Yeah. <laughs> So really, I'm saying I have seen um, successful, happy relationships with the three and every other type on the Enneagram. It's not really a dating service. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I mean, people try to do that. with. Uh, Lindsay just tuned out. Uh, I, I just pictured Lindsay going to a first date and bringing the test. Bringing the Enneagram. And saying, listen, you need to fill this out before we take this any further. Actually, that would be a great idea. Why wouldn't you do that? It's a little creepy, but... We can start a, you know, Enneagram singles. Why can't you have a EnneagramMingle.com? Yeah. Yes, people. Several people have tried that, and it's been totally disastrous because <laughs> I'm saying, there isn't one pairing that works, you know, better than others. Let me just say before we say goodbye, and unfortunately we're running out of time. A couple things. First of all, the next interview, Lindsay, is something that you might be more interested in. The next interview is Dr. Gary Chapman. He's the best-selling author of the Five Love Languages. Have you heard of that, yeah. uh, Gail? I've not, but it sounds interesting. All right. Well, he's up next. Um, but the other thing that I I need to say is, honestly. 
I feel like I should work for you guys. I feel like you guys, should, you, the Enneagram Institute, should pay me for this because I am so stinking sold on this thing. You can go and do the little tester quiz, which is what Josh is still doing <laughs> in the remedial sweat hog class. There's a number of big so words. Is, so is Brendan, the uh, video intern. He's doing it as well over in his, his phone. And, and But here's the deal. If you cough up the 12 or 14 bucks or whatever it is to do the full one, oh, my goodness. It will re- – at least it re- – I'm just saying from personal experience, when I did it, I almost cried because I felt like someone really? saw me for the first time in my life, and it was a little weird. Right. I saw you in Happy Baby today, so I, I was in Happy Baby yeah. pose today. That yeah. made you cry. Yeah. I was pretty intimate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very intimate. Gail, um, do you ever come to Toronto? Because we would love to have you on our show, co-host the entire thing. We'll do a whole show in Enneagrams. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, well, uh, I, I travel to New York quite often. It's not too far from New York. Really? It's like an eleven-hour drive. Eight hour. <laughs> well, unless you're in, like, you know, just Rochester. Yeah, that's true. Or I Buffalo. Trip. Buffalo, the armpit of New York. Um, sorry, everyone in Buffalo who's listening to our show right now. We love you. Gail Scott, she is the senior, a senior uh, faculty member of the Enneagram Institute. Again, the website is enneagraminstitute.com. I would highly recommend this, especially if you're in a relationship with someone. It'll help you understand yourself and them much more better. Mm-hmm, much gooder. <laughs> much gooder. Much more gooder. Gail, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Uh, enjoy the winter and the ice and the snow and your long, winding driveway up in the mountains. Oh, yes. We're in the thick of it now. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye, Gail. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Ah, it was fun. Except we didn't get a date for Lindsay. Charles Manson's still available. He didn't get married. No? No. Remember he was getting married? Well, he's got that swastika on his face, not that nine-point thing. So. No, it's a different kind of Enneagram. Sure like, tattoo over it, no? He could be like a bullseye. Guys, I'm trying to concentrate. Like, Josh is still <laughs> Jeez, doing the Enneagram. come on. <laughs> what a tool. Oh, wait, that's your role. Uh, up next, Dr. Gary Chapman joins us on the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us.